Hi folks, welcome back to episode 9 of the Life Behind the Trig podcast. Um, today we've got myself, Sink for Patience, and Kyle Randalls, and we're going to talk about uh, media within the Highland Games, so predominantly filming. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know, Kyle's just featured in a Netflix documentary called Home Game, um, so I think that was just released a couple of days ago. And Kyle, do you want to give a, a brief sort of introduction on what that series is about yeah so I, I was approached by um basically a production company who basically asked if i was interested and they kind of explained the gist of what they were doing so the idea of it was there, there i think there's eight, eight episodes which take sort of obscure sports that are sort of caked in traditions of whatever country they're in so you've got an episode based in italy which is like a, a rugby hybrid sport which is incredible to watch there's a like deep sea diving where people literally like that's their life. That's what they do. There's a roller derby episode about the the sort of roots of that. There's some um, there's some rest wrestling that that incorporates voodoo from Central Africa. Um, there's literally there's an episode for everybody's flavor, if you know what I mean. But basically, the idea behind this, and and I don't want to say what they pitched to me and make me sound like some big wig prick, you know. But the, the, what they sort of said they were trying to do was follow um, some athletes on their, their normal day day life, their, their journey, um, on, on the journey to Braemar. So they, they were wanting to follow myself, walking Gus, um, going out for dinner with Amy, just what we'd normally do. I did some training uh, stuff, so I went out throwing myself so they could get some footage. Uh, myself and Lucas did a, a training session both in the gym and throwing. Um, they got some footage of that. And then they sort of filmed us at Braemar and they got us together afterwards and put some shots together so they could obviously edit it and uh, put it together. But the whole point of it was to follow, um, you know, two two throwers, um, myself and James. And then Lucas was featuring um, because obviously he's in the, the Glen Fiddich Championship. So the idea of the episode, which uh, is, the series is called Home Games, as you said. The episode here is uh, about myself, James and Lucas, uh, our journey to Braemar. Uh, and it's about the, the Glenfiddich League, which is a series of 12 or 13 games, um, depending. <laughs> There's normally one cancelled, which uh, is a league. You get points per event, and at the end of the year, you get an overall champion. So it featured the three of us because we'd obviously been competing in it all year, and we have been for many years. Um, and there was a battle uh, all the way to the sort of last events at Braemar, whether it would be myself or Lucas that would win it. And that is basically what they were hoping to, to capture. Yeah. No, I watched the documentary uh, just a couple of days ago there and thought thought it was really good. Um, I think you've summed up kind of what the Glenn Fiddick series is quite nicely, and it's we we've talked a lot on the podcast about the the under twenty five Highland Games, but that's basically a a sort of beginner series which is run by Glenn Fiddick as well in the the Grampian Highland Games circuit, um, and every year they they climax at Bremar. But I thought the documentary. Uh, captured that really nicely you know obviously uh, followed yourself and Jamie Dawkins at, at his work and uh, in the build-up to Bremar and I think for for a lot of Scottish throwers certainly due to the the Grampian League Bremar does tend to be one of the the bigger uh, Highland Games on the circuit and, and one that uh, we very much look forward to would you agree with that? I mean, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they quoted me saying it in the in the actual documentary. But Braemar's like the occasion of the year, you know. You've competed in twelve or thirteen games, and the whole league process finishes in Braemar. Um, and obviously, you've got all the other events going on. All the leagues are finishing your light events, your 
you're, you're dancing. They, they all, they all, as you said, Tihi climax at Braemar. Um, that that's the that's the end of it. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stake. Um, and it's also a massive occasion because it's probably one of the biggest games in Scotland. And then you've obviously got the royal presence. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I thought the the documentary was great. Um, not 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 because I'm in it, but because of what it's done. Um. It's a, it's a shame there's no games on this year because could you imagine how busy they would be um, after that coming out? Um, yeah, I think it, it, it definitely um, introduces people to the heavy events. I, I mainly liked the documentary because you starred in it. Um, that, <laughs> that, was, that was why I liked it. But no, there's, there's been lots of filming done over the years on, on Highland Games, um, but I'm not sure there's it's ever been shared as well as it will on a platform like Netflix. I mean, I think across the world, so many people have have access to Netflix, and uh, you know, I, I, it probably was. Was there any sort of indication on numbers of views to expect? I, I would imagine it will be up I over mean, a I, million. I think the with it being a sort of eight part documentary series, I think what will probably happen is people will start watching it, and then views might vary between what they're more interested in. Um, but I've had a massive outpour on the people saying. You've made the games look good, which to me is the most important thing about it. It's not about, it's not about one singular person looking good. Um, it was about the games getting the the, the limelight that I think it deserves and has deserved for years. Um, it's a yeah. great occasion. There's loads going on. It's like a traditional Olympics condensed into one day. You've got you know dancing. You've got athletic events, both light, heavy. You've got the tug of war going on. You've got the hill race, and to me, it's about highlighting the the experience and you know. Years ago, this was like your your local farmers or your local, uh, your basically your local grafters, and they'd go out and compete. They'd put their kilts on. Whereas now, you know, it, it's becoming more of a sort of serious sport where there are people who are sort of training uh, training full time. Um, yeah. You know, I, I train January to December, as I know you do and many others do now, um, and it is evolving into a more competitive sport um, from where it began. You know, either thousands of years ago or hundreds of years ago, depending on what you believe. Yeah. No, definitely, and and again, this will massively increase exposure uh, of the sport. And already, I've had a few messages just from, uh, just from you know, local guys I went to school with saying, "Oh, I saw this documentary on Netflix. How how do I go about throwing?" Um, I've obviously directed them to our wonderful podcast, Life <laughs> Behind the Trig. <laughs> but no, in all honesty, just it, it's good, uh, good to get something like that out there. Over the years, like I said, there's there's been a number of different documentary type. Uh, things put together and one of the first ones that i remember is was called the heavies have you seen that one i think it was 19 1981 maybe that that was filmed and it follows uh guys like hamish davidson grant anderson jeff capes um it follows them across a number of highland games i think in the documentary they go over to mull um which is obviously over on the on the ferry boat uh, but that was that was quite a cool one. I think it's still on Ryan Vieira's YouTube channel. Um, a wee bit grainy, but quite quite a good documentary to to watch as well. Yeah, I mean, can can you call yourself a heavy without having watched the heavies? I mean, that that's probably a fair statement, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it was a good one. Good one to start with. Um, and then over the years, we had Scott Ryder on, and we obviously mentioned that I think it was two thousand and fifteen. Um, there was a, a film crew followed a few of us throughout the whole season they came over to california to, to pleasanton as well and then eventually came back in 2016 
um, and film Scott Ryder winning his world championship at Holkirk. So we have heard from the, the guys that filmed that this week. So they've had a wee bit of a struggle in sort of selling the footage, but um, they, they think they might have a deal com- coming up. So that could be coming out um, within the next sort of six months as well, which would be good, especially g- given that I think there'll be a lot of interest in the games, you know, f- following the, the the little Netflix documentary there. It was a nice snapshot as well. You know, it's not too long. I think half an hour is a good amount of time for someone to sit down, cup of coffee and um, just watch it in their leisure, you know. Yeah, I mean, a, a half hour is like a nice casual watch. You can chuck it on the telly, watch it for half an hour. You're not, you know, sitting investing a huge amount of time. Um, but what the great thing is, the, the, we've talked before about how we're not sort of in a mainstream sport. But, I mean, a Netflix documentary about the sport and then within a few months, uh, obviously all that footage for 2015, 2016, that could then come into something and then you could have a massive, that could be a, mul- a multi-part series if we're being honest. Um, yeah. I, they even they even entered me a few times, and I'm this young, you know, early twenties. Um, yeah, yeah. Jeffy boy with we'll long hair. See what happens. I can't believe how quickly five years has passed actually since that. But yeah, we'll see what happens. It may or may not come out that one, but if it does, we'll we'll make sure to to share it. But again, I think with the the increase in interest um, with the heavy events, um, there's so many different ways to get into the games now as well. And we've talked about a lot of them, but. Um, a number of Scottish games run novice or local classes in the mornings. Um, you can contact ourselves. You know, I mentioned a few of my school friends have, have got in touch. So I'll no doubt over the next few months be, be out with some guys just having a throw. And I think the best thing to do, as you said when we, we spoke to Chris Beatham, um, is just get out there for, for a month and throw two or three times a week. Uh, once you've done that, you, you'll have a good idea of, of whether or not you're going to like the Highland Games. And for some people, they get they get bitten by that bug and, and uh, you know, they'll, they'll be at events over the next 10 to 15 years, whereas others will maybe pick it up, get a bit frustrated and, and go back to their original sports, whether it be strongman, powerlifting or whatever their background is. But there are more opportunities than ever to, to get involved in Highland Games as a heavy events athlete there's like an abundance of information out there, um, whether it be through documentaries, YouTube videos, you know, a lot of a lot of guys have put a fair bit of time into creating YouTube content, um, which which kind of goes through how to train for the games, both in the gym and, and out on the field. Um, and also, it's a great time because there's not many Highland Games this season, so it gives you an opportunity to get out on the field and, and get those reps in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would probably say the first thing I say to someone when they message me about the games is, as I said to get the Chris situation, he approached me, I said, go out for a month, throw, you know, once, twice a week, get some, you know, basically get a, it's like a thrower's stamina, just make sure you can go out and do a session. And it's yeah. a great way of testing if someone's actually keen or not, because a lot of the time, you, you know, there's there's hierarchy of uh, your, your heavy competitors. You get people who want to compete in the game so they can put their so- their picture on social media and they can say, oh, I compete in the heavies. You then get people who want to, you know, take it a little more seriously, maybe travel a bit, you know, improve. And then you have the people who want to sort of try and be the best of the best. And th- there's different time commitments that come with each sort of tier of that. And you need to figure out pretty quickly what you're willing to do. Because um, there's very few people I've met in my life that are natural, you know, throwers. Um, there's some people can just pick up an implement and throw it. It doesn't matter what it is. Um 
and there's people who sort of have to struggle and graft like myself. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, uh, you know, we've we've mentioned it previously, it, it can help to have a an athletic background, whereas other people do come in with without that um, and can still sort of excel. Like I've, I've, I've seen um, a few different throwers come in with, with no throwing experience, but they've, they've grafted pretty hard and over two, three seasons, they, they really pick, pick the events up and um, can get to quite a competitive level. I think combined with technique, you do need a bit of baseline strength. So, you know, we've, we've talked about uh, strength levels and you don't need to be strong man levels of strength, but to, to, to excel in the, in the sport as a heavy events athlete, you do need a, a baseline. Um, it definitely helps. So, what would you say your baseline to... you'd recommend for someone coming in? Like, if someone was to say to you, what what lifts would you suggest that I get up to? So, say if we say bench, squat, deadlift, power clean. Um, if there's anything else you can think of adding, like, what would you say is a nice benchmark weight where you would say that's a reasonable strength level? Yeah, I mean to to throw far. So, I think if we started with with some of the throws, um, we'll, we'll just go with maybe five events. So. If you look at the open stone, um, you know, to, a, a reasonable throw would be maybe about 45 foot. Um, that, that would be a, a competitive throw. Maybe not winning, but, you know, you'd be top top 10. Um, so 45 foot in the, in the light stone, 70 foot in the light weight, maybe 13, 14 foot in the weight over the bar, um, and 120 foot in the hammer. I think baseline strength levels you'd probably want to be squatting about 160 kilograms maybe um i think you'd need to deadlift over 200 bench press 100 kilograms um so compared to strongman you know it's it's nothing like where, where you'd need to be for that to to excel and to throw over over 50 to 55 in the stone over 80 in the weight, over 40 in the heavy weight, um, things would probably change slightly. I, I think you'd need to, you'd probably need to, to be squatting over 200 kilograms, um, probably need to be bench pressing maybe 140 kilograms. But there's always exceptions to rules, you know. Uh, Lorne Coulthard, um, who has put, I'm sure, 56 foot in the in the light stone adamantly claims that he he couldn't bench press over 100 kilos which i'm a bit skeptical about but i think what lauren meant is that he's not he's not a massive bench presser um yet he's got a massive range he's got long arms kind of like your yourself you know a really good range and he's he's thrown real far jamie dawkins who who was in the netflix documentary um again i'm sure isn't isn't the the strongest in the weight room but Jamie's thrown the, the light hammer well over 135 foot, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, um, James is James. I've mentioned James before, um, and I sort of hold James and Greg in the the same sort of regard. They're they're not the biggest guys. I mean, they're by no means are they small, but they're not the biggest. They're not the heaviest. And I mean, I don't want to say they overperform, but in terms of their stature, they're certainly putting a a very 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 good showing. Um, James has always thrown the hammer well, and I'm. I'm sure I've seen him throw 130 or close to, um, on, on his day. You know what I mean? It's just with with the with the hammer in Scotland, I always feel like uh, you need to get the right day with the right hammer because there's so many different um, variations of it. Um, yeah, it's the same in most of the implements here. You know, 
And this is what I love. See, see the stone. You, you can't compare the stone at any two games because some of them are eggs. I mean, there's some that are almost square-like. There's some of them that are, I don't know, they, they look like a, a baked tatty, you know what I mean? You can't really compare them in any way. And obviously the, the weight varies slightly in all of them. And some games you don't even have a 16-pound stone. You've got an 18-pound stone. And again, we've discussed that, but I think that's one of the charms of the games is that nothing's the same over here. Um, but it's yeah, also one no. of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest uh, sore heads. Yeah, no, exactly. It, it makes the, the Highland Games unique um, in comparison to other sports. You know, you're 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 in different conditions every single event. So, I think that is what's what's unique about the Highland Games. I think getting back to the sort of media side of things, um, I've I've done a wee bit in the past and tend to find it okay. But how did you find the the filming like you, you you came across pretty natural on camera and stuff did you uh did it bother you at all when you were actually at the games hey i mean the the only time it really bothered me is uh see when you're throwing the hammer and you've got a microphone that's basically like gaffer taped to your chest and yeah. you, you're sort of swinging your arms and you can feel it like i kind of asked them can i take it off for the hammer but the rest of the events i wasn't too too bothered about it i don't really mind uh being filmed or whatnot when i'm thrown just as long as they're not you know, the big one for me is like the hammer and the weight. You know, you've got like your death zone off of your sort of uh, right-hand side. Yeah. I don't yeah. want anyone near there when I'm throwing. Um, but pretty much anywhere else, then I'm I'm quite happy. Um, that It's the usual thing whenever you do any sort of filming. Um, obviously, it was for almost a week I was filming with them um, most days. The, the start yeah. of the process, you, you quite enjoy it. You're excited. By the middle of it, you think, what am I doing? And then by the end, you're excited again. Um, yeah. But yeah. the, the, the the big part in the nerves comes uh, when you're waiting on the edit because you don't know how they're going to make you look. Like, if yeah. they followed you for a week and filmed pretty much everything that's going on, um, you're not going to be in your best behaviour at all times. But I have to say, um, when when I don't know if I can speak for everyone here, but you can see at one point I'm sort of sitting and I'm being interviewed and it's just me and the, the, the sort of director in the room. Um, his interview style was, like, pretty good. It's relaxed. It's more like a conversation. And yeah. they've got this weird sort of mirror that reflects him. So he's sitting next to the camera. You look and speak to him, but his face is reflected round. And oh, you're okay. actually looking into the camera. Yeah, um, It's yeah. quite a weird thing, speaking to a camera, but actually a person. But his his interview style definitely helped. I have to say, though, I was interviews, interviewed in that room for about an hour and a half. And as you can see, they've probably only used a handful of clips. So it just goes to show you how much time goes into something getting what they want um, and how much actually gets used. Yeah, I think sometimes it can be detrimental. Like, um, I remember one one year, the Discovery Channel, I think it was Canadian Discovery Channel, came to Inverness Games. And we've talked about some of these amateur games before and that um, they're, they're great events, but you can be lulled into like a false sense of security and you feel like a, a big fish in a small pond sometimes because... You know, professional games will offer a bit more prize money, and that tends to be where where uh, bigger throwers will go. I've always loved MRS games and gone there because it's my local Highland Games. Um, but the the film crew came along from the Discovery Channel, and they did a few days prior. And similar thing, you know, lots of interviews, lots of filming of different events. Um, and then on the day, I think Jamie Gunn came along, and um, I'm. I'm pretty well known for, for not being very very good at the caber sometimes. <laughs> and uh, Jamie was definitely putting pressure on me uh, with the caber and, and the hammer. <laughs> and amateur games are only five events. Uh, so I was I was under a lot of pressure that day. Um, 
But sometimes as well, with these, you know, the, the, the crews are looking for a story. And I think that's what's important about the, the Netflix one is they got a good story through the, the Grampian circuit there. Um, and they're not able to show everything that happens on a day. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty impressed with, with what they've pulled together um, into that little half-hour sort of snapshot of the Highland Games and pretty confident that that'll definitely uh, bring more exposure to our sport, which for, for us is a good thing, you know? Yeah, and obviously they, they showed a, a variety of personalities. I mean, I was obviously interviewed, James was interviewed, Neil Fivey spoke quite a bit, and uh, yeah. Alistair Gunn also featured heavily. I thought some of his one-liners were pretty good. Um, yeah. My personal favourite is uh, that everybody basically becomes friends in the end. Um, I'm surprised he didn't have s- subtitles for... Uh, for Neil Fivey. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I struggle to understand what he's saying when I'm with him. <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, I'm sure sometimes he does it on purpose. He speaks in a, a thick Doric accent. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, as as we've said, I, I just hope the the games gets the love and the attention it deserves, um, and people are still as excited next year to come over and watch. I know I've had. I, I can't even tell you how many people that I, that I don't know have either messaged or commented on that on my social media posts saying. Love this, can't wait to come to a games or how do I get into this? How did you start? Like people want to know more and I'm I'm genuinely quite happy to sit and message back. Um so yeah. I, I'm curious to see what comes out of it. Um and I'm hoping the, the games thrive the way it deserves to. Yeah, absolutely. I think you summed it up well. I mean we keep saying it on the on the podcast, but if anyone is interested in getting into Highland Games and if they've seen the if they've seen the, the Netflix documentary or any other heavy events documentary just get get in touch with us we're happy to steer you in the, the right direction who knows what will come of it um you know we've mentioned there there have been a uh, sort of documentaries done in the past but i think this one will gain more exposure through being on netflix so that's a real positive um maybe there'll be future documentaries or filming um a, a reality tv show would be great dear god <laughs> could you imagine that Going, watching us go to a steakhouse and you ordering a burger, like, could you imagine the, the slander? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I think uh, well, well done to you. Well done to the guys, obviously that pulled it together. I think it was good to, to feature some Scottish stores as well as have Lucas Venta in there as as your training partner and sort of rival on the field. Um, Nemesis. So I think good good job with that. Um, and hopefully we can we can kick on and, and have some good competition. Here's next a year, but... here's a question for you, Sinky. Obviously, we we get approached throughout the season sometimes to do you know either publicity, filming, photos, whatever. Have you had any any sort of strange requests, or have you done any of the the stuff that during it you thought, what am I doing here? I probably yeah. So even even with that Discovery Channel uh, documentary, they, they filmed in Renaissance Island Games, and there's a little clip at the end. So so they didn't get me. Um, picking up the trophy so what they did was they had some audio of the crowd cheering for something completely different probably, uh, <laughs> probably a running like the, race or something the kids the kids 100 meter race exactly exactly so at the end of the day they said oh can you just uh, pick the trophy up and raise it above your head as if you've just won it um, so if you ever see that clip there's me kind of raising this trophy in the air and then they they slice in this audio from the, the kids' 100 metres, and it's pretty cringeworthy, me <laughs> knowing what, what what actually happened there. Um, apart from that, not, nothing too bad. And I know uh, I know there can be some some strange requests, but no, I've I've not I've not tended to have any of those. 
have you? I've I, I'd say I've had two that stand out. Um, the first one yeah. was myself and Bruce Robb, and it was for like a it was like a, a Chinese celebrity um, game show. So right. they were coming and they were doing like uh, some of our events, but obviously they they introduced the welly wanging, which is something that we definitely compete in, by the way. Um, and all these celebrities are doing it, and half of them are Olympians. You had like <laughs> like TV personalities. We had no idea what the, who they were. None of them really spoke English, and it was just the most surreal experience being handled around by all these um, these Chinese production team members and telling us to do this, wanting us to do this, and the the full thing was just bizarre. I've got some funny footage of Bruce being asked to recite certain things in English, and he's saying it <laughs> over and over again. And every year it pops up in my memories on Facebook, and it cracks me yeah. up. Yeah. I've I've seen a I've seen a pretty amusing video of of Bruce Robin yourself uh, doing some Highland Games demo, but uh, running out at the beginning of the clip. Oh God. <laughs> With the, with the fish and, and was, the hammer. I wasn't sure if that was if you'd been asked to do that or if uh, that was <laughs> yourself just decided to do that. That that, that was for a, a promotional video for a, a company I've done some corporate stuff for, and what the, the way it started is uh, the two of us were running out and we go down to a river and I pull like a putting stone out the river and then Bruce pulls yeah. out a fish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was pretty cringe. But uh, um, that that full thing was more. I think it was meant to be sort of jovial and funny, so it's not so bad. Whereas this yeah. thing was like quite a serious program. Like they were genuinely competing. Um, ah, okay. The second one that stands out. This was for a massive worldwide um, magazine. You could say it's a national magazine um, that, that that deals with all over the world. So I was dealing with the the French version of it, um, and they were they were doing a photo shoot and they wanted to compare the Highland Games. Um, <laughs> They wanted to compare the Highland Games and how it comes from a roots and, and where it is now. So obviously Highland Games at its roots were in the Highlands. It was like local local men competing, your your farmers, your 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 masons, your your blacksmiths like competing. And they wanted yeah. to compare it how it's came from like a rural sort of background where it was people putting their, their everyday strength into use to what it is now. So I live down in the central belt of Scotland in the Falkirk area. There's a lot of uh, a lot of industry here and I, I did some photos with them where it was like my sort of myself on a on a hillside at night and there was the <laughs> silhouette of what we would call we used to call it BP but it's like the Ineos um petrochemical plant down here. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it was that behind me and it was sort of meant to it was meant to compare what what, what the roots came from to what it is now. And at one right. point um the dust there was a big roundabout in Grangemouth next to the, the, the sort of plant and they said, Do you think we could go down and take some pictures with you standing in the middle of it? I said, I mean, you can go down, but I can guarantee you the security will appear. They're like, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. So we went down, we started taking pictures, and one of the first things I'm asked is, would you take your top off? <laughs> and I was sort of like, eh, I mean, do you think that's important? And just like that, wham, security appears. Sort of, what What are you doing here? What, what's going yeah. on? And I was lucky that the security guy actually knows who I am from Grangemouth. Um, I think oh, I went you. to school with his son. Um, yeah. But otherwise, I'm pretty sure we'd have had a bit of explaining to do me standing with no top on in the middle of a roundabout uh, in Grangemouth, getting my picture taken by the three men. My question would just be why? Why did they want that to happen? I, I, I honestly don't know. I, I'd, I'd love an answer. <laughs> I'd love an answer. You're saved, saved by the security there. Um, but no, you can you can get some strange requests. I think often, even with local newspapers and stuff, you you're. Uh, striking some pretty awkward poses at times um 
but I think I think that's another thing with with sort of media, and you kind of you kind of mentioned it earlier there, but you're never quite sure how how it's going to be edited and how you're going to come across. Um, like I'm I'm pretty confident that with, with that uh, filming we did in 2015, Scott's Scott's the star, which you know rightly so, he went on in one world, and uh, I was definitely filmed as the underdog there. Um, which again, again, I'm I'm all right, all right with that. I felt with the Netflix there, uh, Jamie Dawkins, they, they twisted it a little bit at the end, which was quite harsh on him, because uh, <laughs> you know he's obviously training hard and putting in a lot of effort. Um, but it can happen that um, that's just something. It's you know you've you've just to get on with it because at the end of the day, you know, exposure for the Highland Games is is what we're after. Um, but no, again, I, th- I think that was that was a really good uh, half-hour documentary that they they pulled together. So, um, can you just before we wrap up, just remind everyone what what it's called and where they can find it? So, if anyone is interested, um, I'll probably put some links in the description and whatnot below and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's called Home Game or Home Games. It's on Netflix. If you search sort of hashtag Netflix Home Game, you'll find it. Um, there's eight documentaries, and as I said, there are about a variety of things. Um, you can you can you can find them on there. Um, if anybody's got any questions again, or they're struggling to find it, just give us a message. Um, I, I was asked by someone if they search "Big Sexy Kyle," will it come up? Um, sadly, the answer is no. <laughs> no, but the topless roundabout picture might. Well, I mean, this is the thing, right? <laughs> this is another thing someone said to me. How many pictures do you think there are of us out there, like in the world that people have, or either on social media or on a camera? Like, can you imagine what some of them look like? Yeah, yeah, I don't want to. The the thing is, you you can for for your Instagram, you'll pick your best ones with your uh, muscles tensed, re- releasing the the stone. Um, but throughout the day at Highland Games, uh, I can imagine you're probably snapped in some some pretty unflattering uh, poses. I mean, could you imagine some of the pictures people have of Lucas when he's doing his Polish uh, magic on you, stretching your back? And can you imagine yeah, what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, I'm sure we don't want to come across a lot of those. But um, good stuff. Well, thanks, Kyle. I'm off to watch the roller derby episode. By uh, the way, but I, I was, I was honestly a little bit skeptical about that, but it's one of the ones I enjoyed more. Is it? Well, I need to, I need to have a watch. But uh, Nat, good job, and we'll uh, we'll be back soon with another podcast. So, thanks, folks. We'll yeah, take it easy. Soon. Thank you.